Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to my channel. We are currently engaged in Rahu and Ketu study, and we are in part 18 of this. Okay, Rahu in Purva Falguni and Ketu traveling from, I think, Purva Bhadrapada going to Shatbisha. We will cover that in the study. Before that, a personal note. In the neuro-linguistic system of uh, understanding psychology, there is a famous line called the map is not the territory. What does it mean? It's a very classical line used a lot. The map is not the territory, meaning if you have a map of a place and you're going and trying to find directions to a place, these days there's Google Maps, so you don't need any of it. But older days when they used to have maps to go to a place, it's an indication, but the territory, the actual earth, the actual place where you go to, may be quite different from what is indicated on a map. See, this has very deep implications. You've got to sit and think about these things. Meaning what? Meaning who you are, coming down to astrology now, who you are and what your chart defines may not be the same thing as what you will play out in your life. The Vedic astrology map is just a map. It is not your territory. It is not who you are. It is not this physicality. It's not this physical body. It's not your current life. It's not your parents, spouse, children, circumstances, race, country, wherever you are living. It's not that. So it is important to remember when you are studying your own astrological chart to bear this in mind. Because what a human gets as in karma, as in fruits of the past life and how they implement it in this life may be two totally different stories. People talk about karma a lot, especially here in India, but they are not doing much about it. There is no active participation. They are just looking at the map, looking at the birth chart and saying, oh, this is who I am. Oh, this is what I've got. Oh, this is what I have to do. No, it isn't. It's still choice. It is still up to you. The chart does nothing. Elon Musk never looked at his chart. Bill Gates never looked at his chart. Aren't they doing well in life? You see what I'm saying? So don't get very hypnotized or don't get very brainwashed by thinking that some astrologer told me so I'll get all the goodies in life. Not if you don't move your butt and go and do some stuff. You see, you got to go and do some work. People are doing some work in this world. Mothers are doing the work. They are cooking for their children. Farmers are planting crops. And I can go on and on. But yeah, let's get to the studies. You understand the thing. And this particular premise, what I just told you, plays very well into this particular nakshatra. Purva Falguni. Purva Falguni means, Falguni means the fruits of the past life. Purva Falguni means what I did in my past life. The good deeds of my past life, now I am sitting and enjoying. Right? And Purva Falguni people, you might think, oh, I am getting all the good stuff of life. Right? Not so, not so the case. What are the Purva Falguni themes? Let's just review that. It's creating new love. They are all after having love relationships. Good rewards from past karma. Good fortune. They are lucky. Bliss and partying a lot. Very highly sexually inclined. Purva Falguni is highly sexual in nature. They want to relax. They want rejuvenation. They have good looks. They have beauty. They have vanity. Lots of vanity. Show off, you know. 
रेड कार्पेट ट्रीटमेंट हॉलीवुड बॉलीवुड यूनिमेट लेजी नेचर एडिक्शन टू मेनी सेक्शुअल पार्टनर्स रिलेशनशिप इश्यूज फॉल्ट फाइंडिंग नीट पिकिंग स्ट्रॉन्ग कनेक्शन टू चिल्ड्रन ग्रेट पेरेंट्स डू यू सी दिस पूर्व फाल्गुनी मेनी ऑफ द एक्टर एंड एक्ट्रेसेस फेमस वंस राइट दे हैव अ वेरी स्ट्रॉन्ग पूर्व फाल्गुनी नक्षत्र प्रेजेंस इन दैम एंड यू कैन सी द थीम्स प्लेइंग आउट इन देयर लाइफ लॉट्स ऑफ सेक्शुअल पार्टनर्स लॉट्स ऑफ अफेयर्स हैविंग फेम ओवर इंडल्जेंस हैविंग बिग विलास हैविंग लॉट्स ऑफ रैंचेस थ्रोइंग मनी अराउंड they are lazy in nature they are having addictions you can see all this and if rahu you stick in a place in here i mean good luck you know this persons are going to go explore with their eccentricity these are the eccentric millionaires and billionaires they are having good fortune but what are they doing with it nothing this is the difference people might be wealthy doesn't matter if it's a millionaire billionaire they might be having but their lives are really upside down because of this nakshatra energy playing and if you stick in rahu in here the unconventional maverick guy i want to do it a different style if everybody is doing it like this i want to do it like this this is rahu and you take him and put him in this kind of an energy of pura falguni guess what happens let us see now in pada by pada so number 1 the classical characteristics of rahu and ketu as described by the classical vedic literature okay what is rahu and ketu these are the north and the south nodes of the moon found by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun so basically if you take two eclipses ellipses it will form two intersection points yeah so these two intersection points are called the north node and the south node they are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute so who is rahu the symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe right this is typically how it is portrayed in western astrology so i am using the same symbol here rahu is mythologically depicted as the severe head of a demon symbolizing constant endless insatiable hunger and appetite be it sensual or physical yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it rahu is the one who constantly wants something think of it as a live head only not the body okay so it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing since it has no arms or body or stomach right? just a head which is alive this gives rahu the title of bhoga karaka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits so think any earth sign for example they want sensory materialistic pursuits or think any of the signs literally whatever they are after rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything this is an energy in us by the way it is not a planet it's a virtual node but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why so it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something it wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next this is why varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in why because of that insatiable hunger there is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it that's rahu 
Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severed body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant and less insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. As a result of this, it tries to hold and grab onto everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands. Ketu has got hands. It's trying to hold on to everything, but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head. It's like trying to grasp onto everything, thinking, oh, I want this, or I am this, I am that, I am this. Not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there. Since it has arms and walks everywhere, it goes around through life, walking from place to place, people, situations, circumstances, but not knowing who or what it is. It doesn't have a head. This is why Ketu is referred to as Mokshakaraka or the seeker's path, the one energy in us which seeks something. That's why Ketu is called the Mokshakaraka. Now, this is the classical interpretation. Okay. Now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation. Very important to connect the bridges. Now here you have the Rahu Ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation. This I have borrowed from the book Light on Life by Robert Sobhada. Excellent book. I have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it. I seriously suggest that. Okay. The North Node of the Moon, Rahu. What does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts? What does Rahu lead to in the modern context? Rahu is responsible for originality, individuality, independence, insight, ingenuity, inspiration and imagination on the positive side. Because Rahu and Ketu both love to explore foreign stuff, things out of the box, things not taught by tradition, Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. Okay? Think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things. Looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So Rahu, on the downside, becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, addiction, vagueness, illusion and delusion. This is the downside. Now how this plays out and why we'll have to see individually in the charts. We shall we'll see that. Okay, Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness, on the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there, right? Rahu Ketu, let me remove myself for the time being from that axis, okay? There you are. So you see it as an axis, okay? 180 degrees apart. And it can play out in any one of the opposite houses. It can play out in 1, 7, 2, 8, 3, 9, 4, 10, etc, etc. We will see that later. But this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life, in your different houses, are you looking for these two aspects? And they are always opposite to each other as you can see. 
now Ketu stand opposite to each other. So if it plays out in second house, it detaches itself from the eighth house. If Rahu is in second house, it, Ketu will be in the eighth house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the eighth house aspect with these aspects shown here. Second house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually. So they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in. Suppose Mercury is in the third house. Okay. And Rahu sits in the house of Mercury somewhere else. So it will borrow the attributes of Mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever Rahu is sitting in. Got it? Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, individually, they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's coloring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different colored glasses. That they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities. So Rahu and Ketu do two things at the same time. At the solar level, it goes with the dispositor, that is all of the planets, physical planets, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Sun, Moon, so on. So they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting. If it sits in Rahu sits in Cancer, it will you have to look for where Moon is sitting, which house, and what it is doing there. And even the Moon Nakshatra. If it is sitting in Leo, Rahu in Leo, that means you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house. So it will bring those attributes. That's the way you have to analyze this. Okay. Let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why. Now there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating Rahu and Ketu because this is important for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self-development to understand where they are coming from. If you're not interested in changing yourself, this entire channel is useless for you. But if the other one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life, where do I need to go, what are my talents, and you question these kinds of things, excuse the noise somebody is drilling about, so then you need to understand these aspects. Now that's the typical chart, Indian chart. And house numbers are depicted as 1, 2, 3, 4, up till 12. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha is there and I have stuck Rahu Ketu as possible axis on the 1-7 that is Aries and Libra that is the top and the bottom so either it can go to house number 1 or 7 Rahu Ketu can be reversed it's okay it doesn't matter or in 4 and 10 
Now, 1, 4, 7 and 10 in Vedic Astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are, that define how you operate in life, throughout life. So these become crucial. Why? The 1, 7 axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on yourself and other concept. 1 and 7 is self and other. How you re relate to yourself and how you relate, look at the world around you as others including the spouse because seventh house is the house of the spouse but also others. So how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others. So it defines who you are in a very broad sense. One seven axis of Rahu Ketu. The fourth ten on the other hand, fourth house being the house of the mother, tenth being father, fourth being home, tenth being career. You see this has a you know all kinds of implications which define who you are. The 410 axis has effects on the heart versus mind. Mind wants to, is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the career, right? You dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world. Heart is your home, your home center where you feel comfortable. Home is where the heart is, that kind of a thing. So heart and home is affected by this Rahu Ketu axis. Again, Rahu and Ketu might be reversed. Rahu might be in the fourth, Ketu might be in the tenth, or vice versa. Same way with one and seven. But these are the vital relating aspects of Rahu and Ketu. Now, what about the rest of the houses? Now, rest of the houses are called Trikona or Kona in Sanskrit, right? These are the things that come and go in your life. Let it be second house, third house, fifth house, sixth, eighth. 9th, 11th, and 12th, these are the things that come and go in our life, through life, through your entire life. These are things that are added into, subtracted from us. But this is not us. 1, 4, 7, and 10 is us. Everything else is secondary, which revolves around you as life comes and goes. All other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life. That's all it is. They are less significant in terms of Rahu and Ketu when compared to 1, 7, 4 and 10 axis of Rahu and Ketu. Please remember this. When you are evaluating, you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others. Rahu is attachment, Ketu is detachment. Rahu is expansion, Ketu is reduction. And they stand opposite to each other all this. Right? Now let's take the cases one by one. Okay, so let's start with the fourth Pada in Purva Falguni. There you see, that's Rahu over there. And that's Ketu over there in Purva Bhadrapada. Now, both Purva Falguni and Purva Bhadrapada are Manushya Ganas. The characteristic of Manushya Gana Nakshatras is they want to do everything earthly. Okay, they're not so much spiritual minded. They want to accomplish things on the earth plane. They want fame, they want prosperity, they want money, they want property, they want all these kinds of things, right? Manushya Ganas. So that itself will drive the first layer. Okay. So in Purva Falguni, the fourth Pada we are starting from is Leo going into Scorpio in Navamsha, as you can see here. Point my mouse to you. And then it goes to Artha. The Ketu sits on the other side in Artha Pada, going from Aquarius to Taurus. Okay, so this is a Taurus Scorpio axis. And Leo Aquarius axis. Okay. Remember, I told you in the previous ones, you got to revisit all these Rahu Ketu to understand really what's going on. Don't just see your Rahu and Ketu, please. It won't make any sense to you. We are students, we are studying astrology. Once you take the energy of Rahu and Ketu, which always want to move, 
we always are hungry for new stuff new things to do the morning breakfast i won't have for lunch in the morning the lunch i won't have for dinner this is the human mind this is rahu ketu at its best always wanting change of stuff okay so if you take that kind of a dynamic energy of rahu and ketu which is always looking for new things and you stick it in fixed signs leo and scorpio are fixed aquarius and taurus are fixed signs it feels constricted it feels like i need to get out of here what is this place this is too constricting for my tastes i need freedom rahu and ketu need freedom to act to display to express to explore their explorer's nature this is the instinct of humans which is exploratory in nature okay now here you got to see the dispositor changes from sun to mars for rahu well sun and mars both are fiery planets so rahu loves them this one will become more intense in life later on so in the beginning they will be more after fame but later on they'll become emotionally intense when you take rahu and stick it in a place like scorpio it becomes emotionally very intense they may not be able to handle themselves okay these are the ones who may have lots of affairs funny kind of affairs out of the box affairs and then ketu on the other hand goes from aquarius to taurus so they are detached from materialistic gains taurus is all about materialistic gains but in this case they are kind of detached from it so they might actually have a lot of material wealth in this pada they might be very rich born rich kids right spoiled brats that you see around born to millionaires and billionaires that might be it aquarius and taurus so in the beginning they might be about more about other people aquarius depending upon where saturn is placed and then later they might be like i've got all this material i've inherited all this wealth papa's wealth and now i don't know what to do with it so i'll go and have lots of affairs think of that let's see now the second third pada now we come to the second third the third pada of purva falguni as you can see over here right this is the third pada and it starts from the first pada of purva bhadra pada we are squarely in aquarius remember we are talking about leo aquarius axis here in the zodiac <clears throat> the sun and saturn the father and son okay dynamic so in this axis we got to look at dispositor sun and saturn but what happens curiously in this axis is very different energies of rahu and ketu and this axis can get very intense remember purva bhadra padas what is the themes of purva bhadra pada it is more about learning through challenges of life learning through difficulties of life some people have a lot of difficulty in their life and they learn from that and grow from that and come out the other side of the difficulty much stronger much capable much able you have seen all this in many many people's lives right in social media you see so many people who are handicapped or who have great difficulties of life and they transcend it they move through it this is the beauty of human spirit purva bhadra pada is about is a very intense energy of overcoming through difficulties of life commitment to purpose transcendence of purpose is purva bhadra pada it's in aquarius so it goes from aquarius to aries in navamsha and in natal on the rahu on the other side goes from leo to libra 
now going from fire to air sign and going from fire air to fire sign you see there the difference between natal and navamsha this axis what we are talking this is fire sign sun sun to venus i'm talking about dispositors and then going from saturn to mars very very fiery energy in this pada this will have a this person really needs to have a grounded control of things because this person can get very easily ungrounded if you place rahu and ketu and stick it in here it can become extremely intense unable to handle that kind of intense changes there has to be some grounding it's good if they have some earth element dominant in their chart or if the support of their friends and family to help them understand otherwise they will land up in a psychiatrist chair this is too intense to handle alone okay this access because it's all fire and air only there's not much of grounding left in these access okay so now let's see the first pada right we're talking about the first pada no yeah we are talking about second yes we we'll, let's go to the first one so now that we finished purva bhadra pada we come to shat bhisha shat bhishak themes of shat bhisha ketu in shat bhishak very very powerful healing ability shat bhisha is power of healing power of 100 physicians shat bhisha means the 100 physicians but shat bhisha is very abstract the lord is varuna so they have lot of intense emotional energies and they are very abstract in nature and they have access to etheric dimensions spiritually speaking so what happens when this access comes into picture between leo and aquarius in purva falguni and shatabisha shatabisha is conceptual and their aquarius going into pisces in navamsha this brings in great wisdom later in life from the past life these people might be old souls these people might be ones who have lived many lives as souls in human bodies and then now they have come to bring that wisdom forward and ground it in virgo this can be a little grounding because virgo is an earth sign it wants to achieve stuff in physical life and it has to bring the wisdom of jupiter here this is sort of better grounding this particular axis of rahu and ketu and rahu does very well in virgo because it's an earth sign rahu wants to achieve material success it can do practical good things in the world yeah now let's take the first pada in the first pada this is as aquarius as it gets on the ketu axis and as leo as it gets in the rahu axis Leo in natal going to Leo in Navamsha. That's where Rahu is, and Ketu is sitting Aquarius in uh, natal and Aquarius in Navamsha. This particular axis, we pointed out to you. See, Leo going into Leo, and Aquarius going into Aquarius. That means the dispositor first of all is the same between Navamsha and natal. We are talking about the opposition of Sun and Saturn. So what happens here? You got to see where the sun is placed in both the birth and navamsha, and this person will all can become too egotistical, especially if it's in the one seven axis. This Rahu and Ketu, if the Rahu is in 
first house and in Leo, this person may be extremely narcissistic, extremely egotistical, extremely self-centered. Okay, because there is too much of Leo energy. Leo is all about I, me, myself, sun. Too much of sun energy there. If there are good dispositors of good planets like Jupiter, Venus, Moon placed nicely, then it can do well as a leader also. That's also there. And in Aquarius, it brings in the wisdom of how do I know the secret of the masses. Ketu in Aquarius, in the Vargottama, natal going into Navasha, becomes one who knows how to program the masses, one who knows how to influence the masses, great influencers. He already has the wisdom from past life. Ketu is past life. So he brings in that past life wisdom and now he can influence the crowd. These people can even become dictators, you see. Like Kim Jong-un, the one who can influence the entire country. That's a dictator, right? Masses, influencing the masses, secret to influencing the masses. So you should be careful of this particular one, especially if it comes in the 1-7 axis. This Rahu and Ketu, it can become obsessive, compulsive, do it in unconventional ways. So this particular axis is pretty hectic. You got to take care of this. If you're, you know, friends, family, anybody, your children, anybody has this, you got to handle them with care. Not get too unconventional, unorthodox and saying, I want this at all costs. Rahu wants to have fame and power at all costs in this axis. Okay. So that's about Puru Falguni. Next we will talk about Magha Nakshatra. We are still in Leo. Magha is squarely in Leo. And we will approach the Gandanta point afterwards going towards Ashlesha. So let's see that next. Meanwhile, take care, be safe, have some fun.